Hello, my mountain family. It is so good. I'm so stoked to see everybody. My friends at each of our campuses are joining us again. It's been a while since I've had a chance to see you. Abingdon people and our brand new Aberdeen campus in Edgewood and Mountain Road and the people that are joining us all over the world online. It's really, really good to be together again, isn't it? And I'm so stoked because every once in a while, God gives us this idea for a series that just seems like it fits so perfectly with the cultural moment we're in. And I feel like what we're beginning today is exactly one of those moments. I think you're going to feel the same way. You know, the cicadas, the cicada thing is really fascinating. They're about to... to go crazy, right? They're about to come out of the earth and, uh, and show up and pop up. They've, they've been burrowed underground, apparently, you know, quarantined, if you will, uh, invisible, watching Netflix and playing video games for 17 years, right? But the conditions are ripe and things are changing and the moment is finally here and you know what? These things are going to emerge and they're going to show up and they're going to start swarming and buzzing and ruining parties outdoors and getting caught in your teeth and everything else. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. In, in a way that's not really icky at all, I, I believe that God, God really wants to do the same thing with us. I, I, I think we've been... Because of this whole pandemic thing and just the circumstances of our lives, we've been burrowed away for a long time. We've needed to isolate and, you know, all that stuff. Socially pulling back from people. But, you know, you can just feel it. The conditions are, are changing and the time is ripe and the spirit is warming. And I believe God is calling us to emerge and to show up and to create a, a buzz of godly impact in the places where we live and work and play. Not like a bunch of icky, swarming, noisy bugs, but a beautiful, powerful presence of God's people showing up to, to be friends and to bless people in Jesus' name. That's what we're going to talk about. Just like Hartford County, I've heard, is the epicenter of this cicada swarm. I think God wants to use mountain to be the very center of a movement where he's unleashing us at such a time as this to be an army of Jesus followers who are on mission, on mission with Jesus to be a blessing over the next few months. And I don't care who you are or where you are with Jesus on your journey. I think God is calling you out right now to be a part of this great adventure that we're about to embark on together. And I hope that you're up for that. I hope that you will come out of your hole. <laughs> we, we've, we've been in some holes. Maybe, maybe your hole was a hole of fear or a hole of uh, you know, preoccupation or complacency or laziness or a hole of busyness, whatever it is that you'll say yes to the adventure that God has for us in the coming days. So that's what we're going to talk about. Hope you're up for that. Ready? Let's, let's get started with a question. Here's my question for you. How has Jesus been messing with you lately? <laughs> I love that question. How has Jesus been messing with you? Because the answer to that question tells, tells us a lot about our walk with Christ, doesn't it? Has he been nudging you? Have you been listening at all? Where is he leading you? 
What's up? Has he been messing with you? Are you, are you listening? And over the next few weeks, we're, we're, we're not going to be obsessed with the pandemic. We're, we're, we're not going to be, you know, focused exclusively on the news cycle. We're going to be paying attention to Jesus and what he's saying to us. And it's a real clear message. And he's going to be messing with us and nudging us to take notice of people in a way that maybe we haven't ever before in our lives, certainly not in several months. And God's already at work in the hearts of lots of people right now because of all that's going on, moving in hearts and lives, and he's inviting us to join him in it. To be a neighborhood missionary, to join Jesus in what he's up to, where you live and work and play, all right? So first, we have to keep it real and admit that when we start talking about this kind of thing, when we start talking about, well, how do we help influence people for God? A lot of us want to see our friends and family know God better. We want, uh, we can think of people that we want to, to know the joy and the peace and the eternal salvation that comes through Christ. But the problem is we have, a lot of us, we have these icky impressions Icky impressions of people sharing their faith or Christians who are just so obnoxious and such a big turnoff. We've seen the street corner bullhorn guy. We've seen the person yelling at a protest with a, with a you know, big cardboard sign. We've seen judgy, you know, preachy uh, statements that people make sometimes in the name of Christ, supposedly, that leave people feeling worse about themselves and just deepening their disgust for the church and Christianity. Maybe you've had some of those yucky experiences. Maybe you've been a part of them on, on one side or the other. And, and for a lot of people, just the fact is what we call good news feels pretty bad. And some people kind of have a reaction in the other, in the other direction. They kind of go to the other extreme and they say, well, I don't want to make people feel yucky. I don't want to feel uncomfortable myself. And so I'm just going to try to be a witness for God by being a good example. And that sounds beautiful and it's good to a certain degree. But you know what? Churches all over this country are filled with people whose own neighbors are untouched and unfazed. They're not having an influence of spiritual impact really anywhere that they live or work or play. And that doesn't sound right. And it's not right. So if you're one of those people and you're wondering, what is the answer? If I want to be a light because the world is messed up and needs help and I've got friends, you know, and I don't want to be a creepy, pushy, you know, judgmental pyramid scheme building kind of nut job, what's the answer? Do I just say forget it? I mean, is everyone right when they say just leave leave people alone? Because that's what a lot of people say today. What's the answer? Well, before we turn to the scriptures and the example of Jesus, I wanted to share with you some of the latest research that I think you're going to find pretty interesting. Because it can really uh, help us out a little bit, all right? You might be surprised to learn, for example, that the latest research is showing that people who are far from God today are absolutely interested in spiritual things. I mean, we may think they're not. We're sure they're not. But the fact is, they are. They're interested in spiritual things. What they're not interested in is annoying Christians presenting it to them in a way that is a big turnoff. Fair enough. New research reveals that for the first time ever in American history, the population of our country, that there is less than half of us who identify as Christian. That just happened, like recently. Millions over the past few decades have walked away from God and the church. And the last few years, as we often talk about around here, the fastest growing religious group is the nuns, right? Those who say, I'm not affiliated at all. And if you're 
if you're talking about under 30, it's like 10% that identify or claim Christian faith. And now, I'm sure because of COVID, we're seeing all those trends accelerated, which means, friends, we're living on a mission field. And if you follow Jesus, you're an everyday missionary. The data also shows us some other good news. Here's something. Most Americans, like almost 90%, say they believe in God. Think about that. Think of your 10 closest friends. Eight, nine of them are saying, yeah, I believe in God. Now, they may not, they may not um, know anything about church or the Bible or have a relationship with Jesus. That's fair enough. But most of the people around you already believe in God or some kind of a God. And what they need is someone they trust to help them find their way back to the one true God. Check this out. More data. More than one in four non-Christians say they're very interested and curious about learning more about Christianity and what it would mean for their lives. And the younger you get, like into the 20s and 30s, that percent keeps climbing. They're interested. They're curious. And here's the kicker. About 80% of people who are not part of any church said, I really don't even mind talking about the faith with someone who is a friend of mine who really values it themselves. They just want something in the context of friendship where you can talk about it with someone that it's real. The vast majority of people are wide open and interested in, in all this. But it matters how. And we all know that. The Barna Group did another eye-opening study among our friends and neighbors and asked them, hey, what do you value most in a person that you would feel comfortable you know, talking about spiritual matters with? What do you value? Three qualities rose to the top in order of priority. When you ask people, you know, what, what would you look for in someone that you would feel comfortable you know, talking about spiritual things with? Number one, someone who would listen without judgment. Someone who, who, who could just, you know, hear my questions, care enough about me to, to listen. Not try to convict or convince or convert or coerce. And the sad news is two-thirds of them said they have no one in their life they felt like fit that description. You've probably got a friend who says the thing they value would be someone who would listen without judgment, but they feel like there is no one who would do that. I think we've seen a lot of this in recent months, haven't we? And I think Christians sometimes can be especially known for talking more than listening. But that's the first thing. Number two, someone says, I would be comfortable if someone would just allow me to draw my own conclusions. Like no one wants to be a project, right? Let them have their own spiritual journey. If the good news about Jesus is actually true, then it's going to prove itself. And we can trust God to do his part and help them on their journey just as he helped me on mine and you on yours. The third thing, they said, I'd be comfortable if they just have confidence in, in sharing their own perspective. Once, once you listen to someone and give them space to process, people do develop friendships and they want to hear your story too. You got to earn the right though to share that story. And when you do, there's a powerful influence that we can have on each other's lives. So just think about that list for a second, all right? Three, three, the three top things. Someone who listens to you without judgment, offers counsel, but lets you come to your own conclusions and just loves you no matter what. What do you call that? <laughs> That's a friend. Did we really need data and new research projects to tell us that the thing that people are so hungry for today is a friend? 
And if it was true before COVID, I am, I guarantee you it's more true now after COVID. Friend, and of all the things that Jesus is known for, this is one of the things that he's known for the most. He was a great friend to people. In fact, some of his critics actually criticized him for it. They said, oh, he hangs out with those morally bad people. He's a friend of sinners. And Jesus said, exactly. Now you're getting it. He was a friend. So let's back up a little bit. We're going to talk about how to be a friend over the next several weeks. I mean, we all know how to be a friend, but we're going to break it down into some bites that we see right out of the life of Jesus. And it's going to help us know how to be more intentional about it. It's going to help us know how to bless people. But first, we need to make sure we understand why we would want to do that in the first place. So let's, let's kick that around just for a minute. Why? I got some more research for you. There was a, a research project done on two different teams of missionaries a while back. They both had gone to Thailand, these two separate teams, and they had very similar goals, but they had very different strategies or approaches. The first group went with a goal to convert people, to win them uh, to Christianity, to save their souls and so forth. The second group had a different way of stating their intentions. They explained their strategy this way. They said, we're here to bless whoever God sends our way. That's what they said. The study followed the converter group and the blesser group over a period of two years and it kicked out a couple of surprising learnings. Number one, the community where the blesser group was was really impacted in a positive and beautiful way. Uh, people were helped. Things got cleaned up. The poor were better off. People were encouraged and happier. The community was stronger. They did all kinds of social good and contributed to the betterment of society. The blessers made a big impact, but the presence of the converters made almost no noticeable difference in the community. The second finding was surprising to some people. And here it is. The blesser group who said, we're just here to bless people had 48 people that they saw come to follow Jesus. And the converters saw only one. 50 times more people said yes to Jesus as a result of people saying we're here to bless and love as opposed to those who said we're here to convert you. Friends, listen, most of us know the kind of stuff that Jesus calls us to do. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Make disciples. Seek and save the lost. That's what we're called to do. What we need help with is how to do it. We need a strategy. And the strategy is to become part of the blessing group. And that's what we're called to do. And that's what we're going to do. It's what we've always done. And we need to ramp it up and come out of our holes now like never before. This has always been God's strategy. Remember, go back to Genesis. Go back to the beginning of the Bible. What do you find? God created the world out of love and then it all got messed up and out of whack. And so God says, I'm going to pull it back and redeem it and make everything right. And God's still working that plan, but it all begins in Genesis 12. He comes to a man named Abram and he messed with him. The Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. There's always some kind of going involved in, in blessing, it seems. God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And listen to the punchline. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's God's agenda, to bless everyone. That's his strategy, to bless a people so that they can in turn be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. When God starts messing with people, it's because God wants to start blessing people. That's why Jesus kind of echoed that same thing in the great, what we call the Great Commission. We take it to deep heart around here at Mountain. It's, it's Jesus, some of his last words after his resurrection in Matthew chapter 28. He says, after all authority is given to me, he says, therefore, go. <laughs> there it is, that word again. He says, make disciples, help them become followers of me. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's important to notice something about those words. In the grammar here, when he says go and make disciples, it carries the meaning, the, 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 the word literally means as you are going, make disciples and so forth. He's not necessarily sending them to someplace new. He's saying as you are going about your life, everywhere you go, everyone you meet, every day, every place, you be on mission and bless them and I'll be right there with you so at the right time you can lead them into the family through baptism and help them keep growing through teaching them and then they can be part of the project of blessing the world so that all peoples may be blessed. Wherever you go, friend, God sends you on a mission to befriend and to bless. This is exactly how Jesus did it, right? Think about it. Luke chapter 19 Jesus, the Bible says he's on his way to Jericho. He had a place to go. He was going somewhere. It was in his Google calendar. He had stuff to do. But it says, as he was going, there was this dude sitting up in a tree. His name is Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. He's a little guy with a big problem. He's got full pockets, but an empty heart. He, he's had a lot of stuff he's done in the past, but he's got no future. And, he, and so he's there to check out Jesus, but safely from a distance, sitting up on a perch. And Jesus stops what he's doing as he's going. He looks up in that tree and they begin a conversation. He invites himself to dinner. They eat a meal. And that story ends by Jesus saying, salvation has come to this house and you are now a child of Abraham. You're part of the family. And Zacchaeus immediately starts giving money away and becoming part of the blessing group. Friends, that's how it works. That's what it looks like. And there's a lot of people like that Zacchaeus guy who looks successful on the outside, who are perched at a safe distance from, from Jesus, they need someone to stop as they are going. Bob almost quit his bowling league he was in because um, his average was sinking. And he, the guys just were drinking a lot more. It was a crude environment. He just felt like it wasn't his place anymore. This wasn't his, his scene. But then God started messing with him and he felt like God was kind of saying, you know what, you need to start thinking of these guys as people I love. A little more. And God nudged him to see his bowling team as a place he was sent. And so he says, well, as I'm going to bowling, I might as well be a little more intentional about it. He started praying for one of the guys on his team that he liked pretty well. His name was Jeff. 
Jeff seemed successful like Zacchaeus, had a good family and a good job and all that stuff, but he had this hidden hurt inside of him. His father had committed suicide when he was in high school. Jeff had never really dealt with that very well. He'd never gotten over it. He, um, he blamed God, was very angry at God for a long, long time. And then he blamed himself, was angry at himself. And then eventually he turned it on his mother. And now as a married man, all these years later, he still was resonating and he was starting to be angry with his wife and he was turning on his kids, all that toxicity boiling up again. It was a big problem, but he didn't know what to do about it. Now, Bob didn't know any of that when he started praying for Jeff. He just started praying for him. God, if you can use me to be a blessing to Jeff, show me how and help me do it. Simple. The very next night after bowling, Bob saw Jeff sitting at the bar when everyone was going home, sitting by himself. He felt like God was kind of nudging him, telling him, go over and talk to him. So he did. He sat down, he ordered some wings, and they never really talked that much before that conversation, but that first night, Jeff kind of opened up a lot about the story I just told you. And he hadn't really told very many people in his whole life about it. And all Bob did is listen. And, and when it was over, he just said, you know, sorry, I'll keep praying for you. That's all he did. And they got together the next week and they just kind of kept adding to the pile of chicken bones, you know, and, and the friendship deepened. And then, and then Jeff had to move a pool table out of his basement and he called Bob. And Bob brought some guys from his small group and they just, they just kind of helped. And all this happened. And the very next week, Jeff finally asked Bob, he just straight up, he said, thanks for helping me with all my junk, man. I appreciate it. What's your story? And just like that, you could hear the creak of a hinge as God threw open a door. Threw open a door for Bob just to share tenderly and honestly how he had needed so much help and forgiveness from Jesus who had given it and how now he just considered that his life's greatest joy and how many friends he had at his church who he didn't know how he would ever get along without them. He just told his story. And not long after that, Jeff accepted an invitation from Jeff to church and we'll see where the story goes from there. But it sure does look like God wants to bless Jeff, doesn't it? And call him one of his own and help him with all that stuff and hurt and have him in his family for eternity. It sure sounds like that to me. And it sounds like God wants to use Bob and is using Bob to make it happen. Jesus was on his way to Jericho. Bob was on his way to bowling. Where, where, where are you going today? Where are you going? What are you doing? Well, as you're going, we got a mission. It's not just getting people to come back. It's about moving forward with God. Who's in your life that God's asking you to bless? Because as Jesus said himself, this is how God loved the world. He, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. First Peter 2 says, God, our Savior, wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. Everyone involves the people where you and I live and work and play. I think God's messing with us. <laughs> I hope he's messing with you to join him in a great 
journey and a great mission. We're calling this series Bless, all right? Bless, B-L-E-S-S. It's all about this very simple, relational, practical, memorable, biblical way that everyone, young and old, can make an impact for God by simply being a friend and blessing people, building relationships, and changing the world. Because we all know how messed up the world is. We can see and feel the hurt and the pain and the trauma and the drama all around us all the time, but we don't always know what to do. Bless. Bless is the answer to that question. Be a blessing. You have been blessed to be a blessing. My friends Dave and John Ferguson looked through the life of Jesus and they, they drew out these five sort of practices that Jesus did to bless people and they named them in a memorable way that we're going to just anchor in and bake into the way we do things around here. Here they are. B-L-E-S-S. We'll put them on the screen as we go. B stands for begin with prayer. Now, I know that's a bit of a stretch to get the B out of that, but that's where you got to begin. That's how you discover your mission. L stands for listen to others. E stands for eat. Get an amen for that one. S stands for serve. And S, the second S is about story, where just opportunities arise like it did for Bob. B-L-E-S-S. What do we mean by each one? Begin with prayer is, is the same way Jesus began his ministry. It's how you figure out who God's calling you to bless. And it, it gets God's power working in their life way upstream. Begin with prayer. L stands for just listening and remembering that Jesus asked a lot more questions than he answered. Christians are sometimes well known for how well we speak, but Relationships deepen and grow and hearts open and soften when we listen. It's one of the most loving things we can ever do. And E, if you struggle with prayer and you're not a good listener, maybe you'll get on board with this one because eating is something Jesus did as well and it's the way to maybe advance a friendship faster than about anything else you could do. Eat some meals. We're going to talk about that. Jesus ate with people and we need to also do that. Serve. You know, Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. We all know that. And when you pray for someone and you listen to them, you're going to have no shortage of ways to, and ideas for how to serve them. And serving is where it all gets fun and practical and real for people and then opens up possibilities for sharing our story. When you befriend and bless people with no agenda to manipulate or you know, coerce or something, people get more open to hearing what's important to you. So friends, that's blessed, B-L-A-S-S. This is not a checklist. This is not a to-do list. This is not a program. This is not a sh- thing. It, it, it's the way Jesus blessed people as he was going. And just about everyone I know who's a follower of Jesus today became one because someone was praying for them. Someone listened to their story and cared about them enough and did life with them and ate with them and served them in a way that they could hear the story. So that's the beauty of it. We're so serious about this being more than a sermon series, okay, that we want it to be a way of life. And so we've got some real practical tools that we're going to build in here. We've got some things every week. There's a practical tool that will help us put these practices into our lives every week. And I hope you'll learn each of the tools and just 
There's an action step every week and that you'll just do this and start owning this and you'll start seeing your, li- your own life change and the friends around you, their lives transformed as well. In a minute, I'm going to show you how to draw a who is my neighbor map and it's going to help you to pray in a way many of us have never experienced. Week two, we'll talk about powerful listening questions. And after that, a simple meal calendar. And after that, a tool that we've been using for years to serve someone holistically. And and then finally, a way to share your story because some of us think, I can't do that, but you can. I want to unpack the first one in the moments that we have left just a little further so it can settle into our spirit a little bit, okay? Begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. You're not going to change the world. You can't change anyone. But God can change a heart and God can change a family. God can change circumstances. God can can turn a failure into a finisher and a sinner into a saint, a jerk into a kind person. And it begins with prayer. To bless your neighbor, someone said. Jesus invites you to begin with prayer. God uses prayer to change us. And then God uses us to change the world. But it begins with prayer. Now think about this. Someone said the simple definition of prayer is simply talking with God. And that's pretty good. It is talking with God. But you know, the older I get, the more I'm convinced prayer is more than talking with God. It's listening to God. It's letting his word resonate in our spirit. It's it's opening our spirit to the spirit of God and hearing those nudges and being willing then to obey and answer. It's listening as much as talking. Corey Ten Boom said this, we never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. There was a guy named Louis who told about how he went to the mall one day and he noticed a guy sitting on a bench at the mall. This quick story, interesting story. He had this strange sensation inside of him. Hey, go tell that guy that God loves him. But would you do that? I mean, if you had that, it's like, he's like, no way. And he didn't. He just blew it off. But later, he sees the same guy outside another store. And he gets that same sensation, that inner nudge. Go over and tell that guy God loves him. And, and, and he blew it off again. It happened a third time. Louis is get the same prompting. He says, all right. He walks up to the guy and he goes, look, I don't want to come across as too weird or anything, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that God loves you. And immediately the man, eyes is filled with tears. And he said, I was at the end of my rope this morning. And I told God, if you're real, show me that you love me today. Or I don't know what I'll do. He says, I don't know who you are, but you're the third random dude to come up to me today and say God loves you. No one's told me that my whole life. And three people have done it just today. Now that's a true story and it's kind of dramatic, but it does prove this point that that God, God is speaking to us all the time. I'm not sure we're listening very well all the time. What if instead of God having to smack us with a two by four and grab our attention, what if we determined to give it to him and to say, God, I'm open. I'm listening. I want to know what you're trying to say to me. Mess with me. Tell me how I can be a blessing today. Give me a divine appointment on this day. When you open your spirit to that, God gives you holy nudges and things change in you and in the people around you. I know we have all kind of hang-ups about how to pray and 
you want to get someone to feel guilty, all I have to do is stand up here and say, how's your prayer life? <laughs> we all feel guilty about our prayer life. You know, we, we don't know how to pray. You know, all I know is rub-a-dub-dub, three kids in a tub or something like that. Amen. Thanks for the grub. <laughs> or I'm too busy to pray. Or I don't even know if prayer works. You know, I prayed a bunch of times and nothing happened. And we have all these doubts. And there's so many reasons we have not to pray. But you know what? If you really want to bless someone and you're serious about it, you can't change that family, that neighborhood, or this world. Only God can. You've got to begin with prayer. You've got to take a step of faith. That's what Christians do. And believe that eternities are hanging in the balance. In the same way that when there's a tragedy or you're scared out of your mind, you don't have any trouble finding the urgency to pray then, right? We need that same urgency to fill the moment now to realize lives are hanging in the balance. And we can begin with prayer. So that's bless. Friends, this is all going to go better if we do it together. So let's help each other, okay? I'm going to put a couple things on the screen here. Um, there's a number you can text where we will send you weekly encouragement and inspiration. I hope you'll opt into this challenge. There's the number on the screen. Text the word blessed to the number there. And you will receive these reminders every week. And also you see the website there, mountaincc.org. That's our website, backslash bless. There's a weekly resource that's going to help you dive deeper, help you go more into this with some reflections and resources and examples that are going to be super helpful. I hope you'll text in so we can stay in touch that way and also go use the resources. And now I want to give you, to close, the simple tool for this week that's going to help us all start praying every day in a way maybe we've never prayed before. It's called the Who Is My Neighbor map. All right, take a sheet of paper or a napkin, an envelope, whatever you got. If you're here in one of our services, you probably have a piece of paper in front of you and a marker. And all you're going to do is draw a simple tic-tac-toe grid, right? Like um, a simple um, hashtag or pound sign, right? Just two lines this way, two lines this way. That's it. And this is this is your neighborhood map. Don't worry about it being geographically perfect or spatially correct, but this is your neighborhood where you live. You're there, and each of the other eight boxes represent people who live closest to you. This will work if you're in an apartment complex or a cul-de-sac townhome in the country. doesn't matter. Just, just kind of, you're, you're going to write the names of people. Now, some of you are already stuck. You're like, I don't know their names. Well, Guess what your first assignment is? You better find out. You got to know. Google it. Creep them on Facebook. I don't know. But you got to find out who they're, because you got to write their names in there. And you're going to write their names in the boxes. Okay? You can do yours now. I don't know this guy's name up here. He lives in a white house. I got work to do there. I got to find that out. You got names, and you fill them all in. And then you simply look at the chart. And you say, that's my neighborhood. Jesus says, love your neighbor. How do you do it? You bless them, and you begin with prayer. You can do another grid for where you work or the places you play. The important thing is you get those names, and here's the challenge for the week. You set aside some time every day, Simply pray for each of the names. That's your challenge. Set aside some time every day this week. Pray for the names on your napkin. Now, will you accept that challenge? Pray every day for these names.
Some of you are going to walk out of here. Some of you are going to turn this off. Some of you have already shut me off. You're going to say inside, you're going to say, well, that's a great idea, but you're not actually going to do a thing about it. That'd be horrible. (laughs) Please don't do that. You got nothing to lose doing this. And someone probably has everything to gain and your life's going to be so much richer. Do the map and then set aside some time every day this week to pray for each of the people on your map. All right, you don't have to pray for an hour or all night long like Jesus did sometimes. You can just pray like if you remember Mr. Rogers in the movie from last week, if you saw it, he just mentioned the name. That's all you need to do. And eventually you won't even need the little map. So you're going to need a plan. When are you going to do this? First thing in the morning, last thing before you go to bed, over your lunch hour. It doesn't matter. You just got to find the time. It could be five minutes, but you got to have a plan. And remember, when you're praying for someone, you're not just praying, God, give me an opportunity to bless them one day. And you're already blessing them when you pray. So what do you pray? Just pray for their health, pray for their family, pray for their future, pray for their finances, pray for whatever you know about them. In fact, let's do that right now. Let's just open our spirits as we close. Let's just open our hearts and let's do this right now together. Let's say, Lord, have your way in my life. Make a divine appointment with these people and let's just think about them and pray for them. Should we do that?